Well, if you've uh, been with us uh, for a few weeks, we have been uh, learning about uh, elements uh, as they're revealed to us, elements of the Christian life as they're revealed to us through the Word of God. And um, if you're just joining with us, um, we've already covered a few of these um, things in God's Word. And We've looked at uh, joy already, uh, the fact that uh, Jesus Christ is our joy, that uh, without Jesus Christ there really is no joy. Um, We may have feelings and emotions, but true satisfaction only comes through Jesus Christ. Um, We also looked at uh, the element of grace, um, that we are saved by grace and that we are to live in grace. Um, that's the way that God's Word has described it and shows us uh, through His Word that we are to live in His grace every single day. And then we also covered about forgiveness, that just as God forgives us um, by never bringing up the issue ever again, we are to also model that in our Christian life, that when we forgive somebody, we are never to bring the issue ever up again, and uh, we are to restore that individual um, in our relationship with them. And then um, we also looked at about evangelism, that is every, uh, it, is, it is the command of every believer to be a witness for Jesus Christ, to be telling people, sharing your story about how Christ changed your life, and just being a witness and a testimony for that. And then last week, uh, we covered the thing about baptism. The baptism is a symbol. It's there to show and identify ourselves, the fact that we have trusted Christ, and to show the fact that we are choosing to identify ourselves with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it's an outward showing of an inward decision that has already taken place when we trusted Christ as our Savior. And baptism also shows us how we are to live uh, in the Christian life. Now this week... uh, We're going to turn over to uh, Psalm 136, and uh, we're pretty much going to stay right here uh, this morning uh, because we're going to cover an element, and this element is uh, of mercy. Now, again, I cannot stress the importance, um, I cannot stress this more, um, the fact that it is the command of, of God to every believer that you learn Christ, that you learn who God is. Um, That's why it is so important that not only, um, yes, we gather here together corporately for worship, Uh, we spend our time and we worship together is what the Bible commands us to do, that we are to worship corporately and we learn of God, we learn of Christ, but it is also your responsibility as a believer in Christ, if you know Him as Savior, that you spend time with Him learning who He is, learning more about Him. I mean, getting to know Him on a one-on-one personal basis. And uh, it was the prayer of Paul in Ephesians 1.17, He says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. So let's pray this morning together and then uh, we'll jump into this psalm here, Psalm 136. Lord, we meet here together um, and it is our desire to know you better. And we pray that the Holy Spirit would... Uh, move upon our hearts, that uh, he would guide us and teach us all things pertaining um, to you, and that uh, through all of it, uh, we might be changed from the inside out. 
Lord, I pray for those that are here this morning that um, are going through some issues in life. Um, some of them have not even been voiced in, uh, to other people. But God, deep down in their heart, they're struggling. They're having a difficult time. Lord, I pray that you speak to them. I pray that if there's anybody here today that does not know you as Savior, that they would repent of their sin and they would trust Christ. And uh, we just pray that you would work in all of our hearts to know you better this morning. I pray for those that uh, aren't able to be here this morning, um, that uh, due to some physical limitations, and um, I just pray that, Lord, you just help them and uh, may you just work in their life and uh, guide them and give them comfort and grace this morning. We're so thankful for your love for us, and we ask all this in your name. Amen. So Psalm 136, we're going to be looking at this element of mercy. And uh, as we look at this, this is a very interesting psalm because this, basically, this whole psalm talks about mercy. And uh, we'll go through it here. Now, in uh, the translation that I'm using here, the ESV, it translates uh, mercy as steadfast love. You may have a, a translation in your hands that might say mercy, or it might say um, love or goodness. Um, it's all the same word, okay? But we're going to be looking here at mercy this morning. So Psalm 136, beginning of verse number 1, it says, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. For his steadfast love, his mercy, endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who alone does great wonders, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who by understanding made the heavens, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who spread out the earth above the waters, for his steadfast love endures forever. In verse number 7, to him who made the great lights, for his steadfast love endures forever. The sun to rule over the day. For his steadfast love endures forever. The moon and stars to rule over the night. For his steadfast love endures forever. To him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt. For his steadfast love endures forever. And brought out Israel out among them. For his steadfast love endures forever. With a strong hand and an outstretched arm. For his steadfast love endures forever. Verse number 13. To him who divided the Red Sea in two, for his steadfast love endures forever, and made Israel pass through the midst of it, for his steadfast love endures forever. But overthrew Pharaoh and his host in the Red Sea, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who led his people through the wilderness, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who struck down great kings for his steadfast love endures forever. And killed mighty kings for his steadfast love endures forever. Verse number 19. Sion, king of the Amorites, for his steadfast love endures forever. And Og, king of Bashan, for his steadfast love endures forever. And gave their land as a heritage for his steadfast love endures forever. A heritage to Israel, his servant, for his steadfast love endures forever. It is he who remembered us in our lowest state, for his steadfast love endures forever. And rescued us from our foes, for his steadfast love endures forever. Verse number 25. 
He who gives food to all flesh for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of heaven for his steadfast love endures forever. That phrase, his steadfast love, his mercy, his goodness, is applied to every single verse. And it is revealed to us 26 times alone just in this psalm. You think about that. This is a constant reminder of the author's intended theme. Now, if you missed it, um, it's not the author's fault, okay? <laughs> if we were to sum up this psalm, okay, if we were to if we were just say, all right, we want to put a summary statement on this one particular psalm, I think we could easily identify it. And it's this, pretty much. His steadfast love, His mercy endures forever. That is, that is something that is undisputable in this psalm. God repeatedly says, listen, my steadfast love endures, my mercy endures forever. God wants us to know this very important fact about himself. I mean, if you, if you were to have a conversation with God, and God were to continually repeat this, he's trying to get our attention to say something, that his steadfast love, his mercy endures forever. Is that a reality in your life? Is that a reality in my life? Maybe you've had this, or maybe this is the way life feels like sometimes. You ever go to the, uh, the, um, uh, the dryer, and you get out all your clothes, and you're gathering them all up, and as you're gathering them, a piece of laundry falls. What do you do? You're holding it. You try to pick it up. You pick up the sock or shirt or whatever, and as you're doing that, three other things fall on the floor, Right? And then you're making your way up the stairs or down the stairs, wherever you're going. And then you see this trail of things that you have dropped along the way. And such is life. So is that a reality in your life? That his steadfast love, his mercy endures forever. What about when faced with hard decisions in life? Does his steadfast love and mercy endure forever? What about when encountering difficult situations? What about when contemplating His will for your life? What about when our circumstances change our outlook on life? What about during times of doubt? What about during times of war and peace? What about during abundance and famine? What about when we are exalted and when we are abased, when we are brought low? Does His steadfast mercy endure forever? God desperately wants us to know this about himself. That irregardless of the situations that we are faced with in life, that his steadfast love endures forever. We know that. I know that. You know that. But we don't get it. We don't grasp that. It, it doesn't register in our lives. When we examine the word mercy in God's word, it's translated many times as kindness, goodness, favor, and loving kindness. But that word alone carries a whole different meaning entirely 
in God's word here. Um, it's, it's best described to us in this way. God's mercy in the Bible is described as a guaranteed loyalty to us. And it's this guaranteed loyalty that God has towards us that His love is eternal, it's unchanging, it's rooted in His sovereign will to win the entire human race to Himself. And His mercy, this guaranteed loyalty that He has towards us is dependable. You can depend completely, 100% on God. Because the Bible here tells us that His steadfast mercy, His steadfast love, it's a guaranteed loyalty to us. You see, the day that you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you entered into a covenant with God. And that covenant is not kept... Between you by being good and God keeping His end. This covenant that you entered in with God is unconditional. Meaning the fact that God loves us irregardless of the things that come into our life. Meaning that He will continue to love us. That He will continually provide for us. Not based upon what we do but based upon His love for us, that His steadfastness, His guaranteed loyalty, who He is, is given to us. And so God always keeps His end of the covenant. And He is always going to continue to give us steadfast love towards us, a guaranteed loyalty, not because of what we do, but because of simply who He is. So is that a reality to you? He is good always. He is kind always. He is patient always. He is loving and dedicated and merciful always. It doesn't depend upon the day of the week or the time of the day. God's mercy endures forever. You see, we can depend upon it, we can count on it, and we can trust in it. What evidence do we have of this? Well, Psalm 136 is going to lay that out for us here, plain as day here for us. And so I just want to spend just a few moments, and I want to show you here four things that we know that God's mercy does endure, that it's steadfast, that there's a guaranteed loyalty that He has towards us. Based out of here, out of Psalm 136. So let's examine this psalm here, just a little bit more detail. And it'll give us a few things about uh, His mercy. So let's look here, first of all, His names declare His mercy. Notice here, verses 1, 2, and 3. It says, give thanks to the capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever. Verse number 2 says, give thanks to the... God of gods, for his steadfast love endures forever. And then verse number three, give thanks to the capital L and then all lowercase O-R-D of lords, for his steadfast love endures forever. Um, If you have been joining us on Wednesday nights, we're going to get into this here just uh, pretty soon, but 
we're talking about God. We're talking about um, how God is revealed to us in Scripture. And one of the ways that God reveals to us himself to us in Scripture is by his names. And you'll see these three names are used throughout all of Scripture. Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. You'll find it as revealed as God, or sometimes you'll find it capital L, all lowercase O-R-D, as revealed to us in Scripture. Now this first one here, the Lord, capital L-O-R-D, Yahweh, is basically I am that I am. This name suggests that God simply is. He has no beginning. He is the eternal I am. And because the Lord has always existed, because he has no beginning or no end, his mercy, his steadfast, his guaranteed loyalty has no end. You understand that? That because God chooses to reveal himself as Yahweh... Because he chooses to reveal himself as the one that I am, the one that has no end, the one that has no beginning, he says, my character trait, my attribute of myself, that I'm going to be steadfast and loyal, a guaranteed loyalty towards you, it will never end based upon who I am. I am the Lord. Remember what he says? I change not. This is a guaranteed loyalty. And so his name reveals to us His mercy. Here's another one. God. This is revealed to us as Elohim. This is the omnipotent, faithful creator. When you read uh, the books of, uh, start in Genesis chapter uh, 1 and 2, you always find it says, in the beginning, who? God. He says, I am the faithful creator. And it says, and God made, God created, God made, God created. And he's revealing himself as the one who is all-powerful, the one that has the ability to create. It's not later on until Genesis chapter number 2 that God now doesn't reveal himself as God, the creator. When he creates man, he reveals himself as Lord, the one who desires to have a relationship with mankind. And his name here, God, the omnipotent, faithful creator, we find that when we look at him being faithful in his creation, his mercy endures forever because he is the faithful and all-powerful creator. The one that is able to, to create everything is the same one that has his love towards us that's steadfast because he loves us so much and he proves himself as being powerful. He proves himself as being the faithful creator in our lives. Here's the third name, the Lord of Lords, Lord Adonai. This means the owner or master that has complete possession. Third way that we see that God declares his mercy is through this name, Lord. And he has complete possession. He owns everything. What does the scripture tell us? It says that he owns a cattle on a thousand hills, right? He does. He owns all the cattle. He owns every diamond mine. He owns every gold and platinum mine. All of it belongs to him. And because all of it belongs to him, he can be faithful... He can have a guaranteed loyalty towards us because the Lord can give mercy because it belongs completely to him. 
And so, when Scripture here reveals it to us, it's telling us that He is Lord of Lords. He owns it all. And He can give us mercy in our life. So He too has complete authority to declare mercy to anyone who makes Him the owner and master of their life. So if you know Christ as your Savior, you are in a relationship with the Lord who owns everything and He gives His steadfast mercy towards you because He owns it. Let's look at a second thing. Not only do His names declare His mercy, but His wonders declare His mercy. In verses 4 through 9 here, it talks about His creation, what He's done. Look what it says, verse 4, Who alone does great wonders? I love that. Who alone does great wonders? Only God can be attributed to that. Only God's the one that does these wonders in our life. Verse number 5, By understanding He made the heavens. Verse number 6, He spread out the earth above the waters. Verse number 7, He made the great lights, the sun to rule over the day. Verse 8, verse 9, The moon and stars to rule over the night. And it is through His wonders, through the creation... That we see his guaranteed loyalty. You say, how so? I want you to think about this just for a moment. When God formed the worlds, when he formed the sun, when he formed the, the stars and the moon, and he set them in place, those things have continued to run like clockwork. They have not stopped. For centuries, for ages... People have had a source of light that has continued. For centuries and ages, people uh, that may have been lost at sea have been able to navigate their way through the, through the stars. For centuries and ages, that sun has came up and it has set. For centuries and ages, we have warmth and we have uh, also the cold. For centuries and ages, men plant the food, the sun soaks it, and guess what? We have a harvest. God has been faithful in His wonders that He has done. And this just proves His steadfast loyalty towards us in our life. These wonders point to the guaranteed faithfulness, His mercy, His steadfast love of God. It has been that way. I mean, you think about it. I don't know what year you were born. I was born in 1983. But the moment that I was born, some of you are laughing, I know. It's okay. It's all right. Um, but the moment that I was born, I entered into time. And now, since I've been living in this realm of time, um, if the Lord does not return and I live a full life and God calls me home, my time on earth is going to end. And if the world continues and God still does not return, guess what? The sun, the moon, the stars... Everything will continue to run on his timetable because he is steadfast in his mercy towards us. There's a guaranteed loyalty towards us. Every year, God has supplied us with food throughout the centuries. 
He's merciful to us. He's kind to us. There's a guaranteed faithfulness that he has in our life. His loving kindness is consistent because he reveals himself as being the one who alone, his wonders, and those wonders reveal his mercy. Let's look at a third thing here. His works declare his mercy. Verse number 10, it says, Who struck down the firstborn of Egypt? Talking about when the Israelites were in bondage there. It says, And brought them out from among them. Verse number 13, Him who divided the Red Sea into two. Verse 14, Made Israel pass through the midst of it. 15, Overthrew Pharaoh and his host in the Red Sea. Verse number 16, it says, Who led his people through the wilderness. 17, Who struck down great kings. 18, He killed mighty kings. These are the kings he killed. Sion, king of the Amorites. Og, the king of Bashan. Verse 21, He gave their land as a heritage. Verse 22, A heritage to Israel, his servant. The psalmist here continues to declare the guaranteed loyalty, the faithfulness, the mercy of God... By reminding us of God's works. Now it's by looking at his works that it helps us understand God's work in our life, in your life, my life. Now in particular, the psalmist is using Israel's history here to show how God has been at work in their life. I mean, we're talking over a span of probably a good 400 years here. That God proved his mercy, he proved his faithfulness, he proved his steadfastness, loyalty, guaranteed loyalty to his people, to the nation of Israel. So no doubt when we read here out of Psalm 136, it recalls, it reminds us of Israel's history, how God worked in their life. So these few first verses here tells us of the journey from Egypt to Canaan land. And I mean, you can read about it in the book of Exodus, right? You can read about it in the book of uh, Numbers. How here they are, they're in bondage. They're living in, uh, in Egypt there. They're crying out to God, God, please deliver us. God, please deliver us. What does God do? He sends a Moses. Moses goes before uh, Pharaoh there. Let my people go. No, I'm not going to let your people go. Okay, here comes the frogs. Let my people go. No, nope, not going to do it. Okay, here comes the flies. All right, let my people go. No, nope, not going to do it. All right, we're going to turn your water into blood. I mean, on and on and on and on and on and on until finally God says, all right, we're going to kill all the firstborn that are in Egypt. Boy, what does that do? Man, that really strikes a chord with Pharaoh there. And he decides, okay, you know what? Get out of here. I don't want anything to do with you. And he pushes them out. He, he pushes them out of Egypt. And so all these people, they're loading up all their carts and their, their tents and their, their, all their stuff and the wagons. And they're, they're going out of Egypt. The Bible tells us that the Egyptians laid upon them a whole bunch of gold and silver. They gave them all this stuff to get out of here. So there they are. They're traveling. And as they're traveling, God leads them to a place where there is going to be no way out. There's mountains on either side. And right before them is the Red Sea. They can't go anywhere. And uh uh-oh, do you hear those trumpets? What is that? There's Pharaoh's army pursuing hard after them. And they're going to overtake them in the wilderness. And their people are getting all excited. What's going on? Oh no, oh no, oh no. What does Moses say? Stand still. See the salvation of the Lord. 
He outstretches his hand. The sea parts. They pass over on dry ground. Here comes Pharaoh's army. Let's go! Yeah! They start charging in there. Right? Comes in. The whole Egyptian army is completely overthrown. God's people are saved by a strong and mighty hand. He leads them through the wilderness. Their shoes didn't wear out. They had food. They had water. God was continually faithful to them. This was a constant reminder of his guaranteed loyalty towards them. And so I think about that in my own life. You know, this is uh, Israel's history. But what about God's guaranteed loyalty, his faithfulness, his mercy in my own life? One of the things that we call that is a thing called providences. That God chooses to work through his providences in your life. This could be certain events that took place in your life where God proved his faithful loyalness towards you. It's a place where God says, hey, I have a guaranteed loyalty towards you. It's a place in your life where God says, I'm going to choose to reveal my mercy towards you. And these are providences. These are times when God did something that could not be explained in any other way except God. These are times in our life when when everything else was falling apart, but yet somehow, somehow we made it through. That is God's faithfulness, His loyalty, His guaranteed steadfast love in our life. And what are we supposed to do with those things? We're supposed to remember them. I'm amazed sometimes that people, they, they go through life and... It just seems like everything is, is always falling apart. Every, and they, they get this thing in their mind thinking, boy, it just seems like God doesn't care about me. God doesn't care about me. But in reality, if you look back on their life, there have been countless times, countless times, that God has cared for them. That God has proved his loyalty towards them. That God has proved their faithfulness towards them. The problem is, is they just don't remember them. They don't recall them. We are supposed to be meditating upon the faithfulness of God. So can you look back in your life and see the provision and the steadfast love, His guaranteed loyalty in your life? What about a time when you were in bondage and God delivered you? What about a time when He parted the Red Sea and you were able to walk through on dry ground? When it seemed like the the, the odds were completely against you, but God did something in your midst. And you made it through. What about the time when it seemed that um, you stepped out by faith to follow him on a path that had never been walked before and he led you all the way through it? What about a time when God silenced your enemies and gave you a heritage, a portion of possession that could only come from the hand of God? Could it be right now that you are in a Red Sea experience? Could it be that on every side there's mountains, there's no way out? The Red Sea's right in front of you, and Pharaoh's army's pursuing hard after you, and you're standing there and you're wondering to yourself, what am I going to do? God's going to prove his guaranteed loyalty towards you. He's going to prove his mercy. He's going to prove his faithfulness to you. See, God sometimes leads us into the wilderness. But every single time that he leads us into the wilderness, he doesn't keep us there. He leads us out. 
Sometimes we're led into the wilderness because this is a time of testing. Sometimes it's a time of discipline, a time of grace, a time where God wants to teach you something about himself. And it's in that wilderness experiences that God proves his guaranteed loyalty towards you. You see, these are the works of God that declare his mercy. These works declare his steadfast love. These are the works that show his guaranteed loyalty to his children. So when we look back at our lives, we can see the works of God. And by reminding ourselves of his workings in our life, it helps us remember that God is loyal to us. That there's a steadfast love that he has for us. Never doubt the love of God in your life. Never doubt it. God has proved himself to be faithful over and 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 will continue to prove himself to be faithful. Why? (laughs) Because he has no beginning and he has no end. He's constant. I want to show you a fourth thing here. It's what the Bible says here. His remembrance and redemption of us declares his mercy. Now, if his names don't convince you of his mercy, if his wonders in creation don't convince you of his mercy, if his workings in our life don't convince you of his mercy, then I hope this fourth one will. His remembrance and redemption of us declare his mercy. Notice what it says here, verses 23 and 24. He who remembered us in our lowest state, in verse 24, rescued us from our foes. He remembered us. Don't let that get by you. He remembered us. He didn't just casually observe us and say, wow, what a horrible state that that person's in. And go on his way. The Bible says that he remembered us in our lowest state. He saw us for what we truly were. Sinful, vile, horrible creatures that had fallen. That were plagued by sin. That our life was a mess. And God sees us in that helpless estate. And he was moved by that. He remembered us so much that it moved him to compassion. It moved him, it moved the very heart of God to do something about it. And what did he do? The Bible tells us that he rescued us. So the God, this merciful God, this loving God, this steadfast love of God was shown to us because of our helpless, low estate. He laid it to heart. He saw us in need of rescue. And that's exactly what he did. He rescued us from our foes. He sent Jesus Christ, his son, to rescue us. You see, a God that was offended by us, a God that did not need us, and a God that gains nothing by us, and yet this God remembered us in our lowest state. Why? Why? What do we have to offer to him? Nothing. Why would God do this? 
because of his steadfast love endures forever. We can't comprehend that. That is beyond us. The fact that God would rescue us helpless in a lowest state. God would rescue us. And he did just that. Because his steadfast love endures forever. Put this into application here in your own life. You're going through life. You're gathering up all the stuff. You're dropping stuff here, dropping stuff there. Everything's a mess. And you begin to think to yourself, boy, it seems like as I take a couple steps forward, I have to take three steps back. Boy, it seems like I'm just not getting anywhere in life. It just seems like God's not listening. God's not caring. If God was willing to rescue you in your poor, pitiful, helpless estate, why wouldn't he? Why wouldn't he care for you as his own child now? God loves us so much, and he proved that by rescuing us in our helpless estate. God is ever loyal to us forever, not because of something that we have done, but according to his mercy, his steadfast love, his guaranteed loyalty, he is merciful to us. It's in his nature of who he is. So where are you this morning? Have you been doubting the mercy of God? Have you been doubting his steadfast love? Have you been doubting his promises, his guaranteed loyalty to you in your life? Psalm 136 stands as a constant reminder that God is ever faithful to us. There's a guaranteed loyalty because of who he is. Let's pray together. Oh,